0: Welcome to the
1: Free
0: Mind Podcast. We didn't anticipate doing a two-part series, I guess, on this topic of walking through doubt, but we started talking last time and just... Maybe I took too many detours, but we realized it wasn't going to get done in one. We wanted to give it another uh, another little bit, because I think there's some, still some important things to talk through on this topic, and I know that um, many people probably that listen to or watch this podcast go through some of that, or they have family members or friends that struggle with doubt, so I, I know it can be important to, to hear from somebody who's been down that road and, and kind of come through it and been, uh, at, at times, tested by it, but ultimately strengthened and deepened by it and so just continuing to talk through that so one one of the things I didn't get to ask you last time but we've talked about this before in prior interviews but what were some of the things that you experienced when you would see me going through those struggles during our marriage
1: you know at first I I mean it wasn't great news I was it was kind of foreign to me I think I had one friend in college that Walked away from the faith. Hmm. And it was so um, wild to us all because we had all sung in gospel groups together and all that. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of my first introduction to having someone that I knew and okay. was close to. But with you, it, was, um, it seemed, I don't know, just kind of wild at first. And that's like my initial thought was, You're doubting God? You sure about this? I mean, we don't doubt God, do we? But it was it was new to me, so at first it would kind of shake me. And then after that, after some years, I remember thinking, God had done a work in my heart through it, just seeing you um, just kind of wrestle through it, having compassion, developing mm. a care, a real like uh, compassionate kind of care. And then we actually, I thought this was really healthy we would just talk through things. Yeah. When you started sharing with me your thoughts, I was like, okay, I get it, I think, I think I get it. And I felt like you felt more comfortable when you felt that I wouldn't run out of the house. When you would take yeah, things like that. Yeah.
0: So. We talked a little bit about that last, in, in part one, with just having a safe space, you know, yeah. to, to think through these things. I, and um, yeah. I think, I, I do remember a couple specific occasions when it was, you would ask me to share, and I don't know why, but it would it'd be so hard to start sharing that process. Um, but once I would do it, it was like while we were doing it, it, it a weight would lift off my chest. That's the only Good. way I could describe and it. And
1: then I felt like I'd learned something too because they were questions that I would never ask but they were intriguing questions. Yeah. You know, just stuff that I would never ever be concerned about. Why do you care about Oh, You yeah. know, just wild stuff. And, I, yeah. and I, I found that it would be something you would read an article or a headline, or something in the news that we'd yeah. be like, okay, you'd give it real thought. Yeah, like just kind of gloss over well, me. but with you, you'd give it some real. And
0: and let me give you guys good. an example yes. too. We were on, <clears throat> wasn't an anniversary date, and we wasn't ball. We wasn't like you know we wasn't flossing or nothing. We was doing PF chains. It was all right. <laughs> um, this is early on in our marriage, downtown Nashville. And I think we were waiting on our table, and they had a bookstore next. This is uh, oh, for people who don't remember bookstores, there were stores right, where you could books. buy books physical <laughs> copies of books. Uh, but, anyways, so we went over there, and this I, I want to say we were like a year in, two years in, I can't remember, but Bart Ehrman's book had just come out on um, misquoting Jesus. Okay. And so, if you don't know about Bart Ehrman, he was. Um, basically his story is he was a he was a hardcore Christian. He would probably describe himself as an evangelical, maybe even a fundamentalist who went to uh, Moody Bible College and then got his master's from Wheaton. Went on to, I think it was Princeton, to study under Bruce Metzger, who's one of the leading um, New Testament textual critics of the time. Uh, he's actually one of the guys that Lee Strobel interviews in Case for Christ. Okay. Um, so Bruce Metzger is you know he was a Princeton professor, still a believer he was he i think he passed now, but he was a Christian. He probably didn't hold to like inerrancy as typical evangelicals would, but I think he was a relatively orthodox um evangelical Christian okay bar Amron studied under him. And some during the course of his time studying at Princeton, I believe, he walked away from the faith and said he could no longer believe. And it, for him, it all it all basically hinged on biblical inerrancy because he felt like the Bible did have errors. Um, mm-hmm. He felt like he couldn't believe basically the central truth claims of Christianity anymore. And of course, books were forthcoming and because the world loves that story, um, he he surged up to you know bestseller lists like like this you know all his books were highlighted Mm. it's kind of the way the world works right like if you if you have the right narrative you have the right story they're gonna they're gonna push you up to the top and um gary habermas in fact used to say his wife told him if he wanted to start really selling books he probably should become an atheist (laughs) and then people (laughs) really start buying his books too (laughs) anyway so he wrote this book called misquoting jesus and it was all about how you know they these translations has mistranslated. It, it had a, it had a bunch of things, but at the time um when I looked at that title and I looked at the back of that, I remember before it it messed my whole night up. Like the, so,
1: how did it strike you? What do you mean by that? You read because it, I was like, yeah, up, I picked and it up.
0: I looked at it and I was like, oh no, like mean, what is this? Like yeah, is he like you know reading the back? Is is he right? You know did. Are we? Do we have the wrong picture of Jesus because we actually, translations have been changed okay. and, and church history, you know, has been, been meddled with or whatever it might sure. be. And so that was an example of how, like, I went to dinner. I don't think I shared it with you that night, okay. what I was wrestling with, but I was like, it just, it lodged in my mind and, and I was, I, I couldn't rest until I figured out. So I think over the next couple of weeks, I went and listened to different lectures about it and um, read some stuff about it. Tried tried to figure more. I ended up writing a paper, just side story in the future and biola on that very book. And it was uh, it, the arguments. I didn't feel like were very good at all. But at the time, it it was just I didn't know how to handle that. Nowadays, I think if I ran across that, I would share it with you. And 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 sometimes just sharing it takes the emotional doubt part of it mm-hmm. out, because that's part of it. It's just like, oh no, what if you know, what if this guy. It's sure, right, you know. What sure. if he discovered the thing that we haven't known for years that that d- dismantles Christianity? I've been doing this long enough now that I, that that those kinds of books don't typically have that impact because I I, I kind of know the deal with how these things go, and because Christianity stands on such a strong foundation over thousands of years, the chances of you know kind of a uh, Johnny come lately. Apostate, You know, discovering the thing that takes the whole thing down is really, really minor. But, you know, I still hear it out and I'll, I'll listen to it.
1: So do you remember if that night, did that kind of last, did that struggle last for weeks? Was it just a few days? I think it was, like yeah, that, I think it was wild, while. Okay. I
0: think it was a few weeks. And, and like I said, it just it gained momentum in my head. And this is one thing I want to share with people that are listening, like, you need to be able. To, you need to have people you can wrestle through with these things. Like I still have guys now that um, we've had Paul Copan on the on the show here, and he's a great Christian philosopher. And you don't always he's have the sharp. the um, you know we don't always have the benefit of having people like that, and I didn't either. But you know, lately he's been allowing me to kind of like bounce stuff off him if I get stuck. But even if not him, like there there are good pastors, there are great apologists. There's people online now that you can reach out to, and they'll connect with you that way. Uh, and then friends and pastors that are thoughtful, mm-hmm. um, that that are willing. And a lot more people are equipped, thankfully, in this area now than when back then when I was going through it. That wasn't as yeah. kind of popular. It wasn't into the mainstream church. And mm-hmm. so, I would just encourage you to get it off your chest to talk with people about it. Because just doing that, even with Nerva, like she, you weren't necessarily like answering those questions for me no. but just being an ear and just being able to express it that's an important point too that i learned from jp he said one of the things about emotional doubt is they li- they live in vagaries and so if it's a vague thought that's eating at you try to write down explicitly what what the statement is and then take that statement and put it up here and say well how confident am i of, of that statement put that proclamation to the same test so this guy guy bart ehrman you know is writing this book and he's making these claims i don't even know what the claims are but i'm scared so that shows you okay you you know i'm saying all i did was look at the title and i saw a couple blurbs on the back and now i'm now i'm fearful because maybe he's undermined christianity um but, but now i've learned okay that's that's super vague what are the actual claims um do the claims have warrant or justification um how much justification do they have do they compare to other things so you know that that's part of it is make make it explicit share it with others get it out in the open and and that takes the heat out of the the privacy of it that sometimes emotional doubt can yeah. kind of stir up in that way and so um i thought it might be might be fun too to just kind of talk about like what were some of those doubts you know how did we how do we walk through them <clears throat> And I mentioned this last time, so you have you have um you have the obvious ones where where you're learning in school. This is a big part of it. People don't understand that um the education system as it is. I think they're understanding it more now because they're seeing the way that they're trying to bring in the c r t okay. and they're trying to bring in these crazy um sexual anarchy ethics, if you want to call them ethics in quotes. I'm um, trying to teach them about drag queens and all all this stuff. You just did a paper on this stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Um, people are starting to see the craziness in the education system. But I think the, the mistake that some people might be making is, oh, wow, it's getting crazy. Yeah. While not understanding, it was actually like John Dewey, I think, in the early 1900s, who was a, an avid atheist who crafted the modern Amer- American education system along with others. With the with the explicit goal to get rid of religion, <clears throat> to get rid of kind of biblical Christianity out of the thinking in the in the population, and so the the later addition of the Marxist features came from other schools of thought, the Frankfurt School, others other things, Herbert, Herbert Marcuse, these guys. But the foundation for godlessness was already there, <clears throat> and it comes across in ways that are it can be even more dangerous than the overt stuff because it comes across in ways that are less um, noticeable mm. and so it's the way you talk about the human person it's the way you describe psychology it's like it's the things that are unstated that come in that, that go past your critical faculties and they start to shape the way you see reality uh, the way we see knowledge our metaphysics what is the nature of being all those types of things they're, they're all built into the package of secularist education And so by the time you get to like biology, you've already accepted a lot of these presuppositions. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy then to walk into just kind of accepting without thinking that science. So I'll give you one example. Scientism is one of the basic um, epistemological features that we receive in American education. And that's Mm -hmm. roughly the idea that the, the only or at least the best way to know things is through the scientific method. Right. Mm -hmm. So they don't they don't necessarily state that outright in our schools, but that's that's it's it's at the presuppositional uh, level of everything they teach. So, Mm -hmm. you know, your mom and dad say this, but science says Mm -hmm. you see that now, like, you know, and it's funny because we've we've seen what, quote unquote, science science. basically (laughs) steered by politics does. Um, But, you know, they're saying trust the science And, and what they mean is like they're not even saying what the science is. What's the double blind study bes- behind mass, for instance, or the vaccines? We, we don't know, but trust the science, trust this figurehead of Fauci yeah. and the CDC and the WHO. And so um, that's that's meant to be that 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 comes like on the foundation of this thing that says science is the way we know things. And so if you don't stop to think, well, is that claim itself a scientific statement. Mm. Well, actually no, I don't I don't know how you would test that through the scientific method. You don't you don't take the the statement science is the only or best way to know things and put it in a test tube, for instance, sure. or come up with a, a scientific hypothesis and do deductive studies on did that, you know, produce the results I was expecting or it's it's not that kind of thing. It's a philosophical statement. So now we've got another field, field of inquiry we've got to consider Oh, so we can have knowledge in fact, what underpins science is philosophy, and those are statements that can't themselves be tested in science oh so now we've got to, now we've gotta deepen our thinking a little bit, but See, what that scientism does is it gives them a tool to use to knock down any religious claims that they don't like that contradict their scientific claims or really, really not even their scientific claims. What it does is it contradicts their metaphysical claims about the ultimate nature of reality, because what often accompanies scientism is naturalism. Okay naturalism being the view that the universe or nature is all that exists. So it's a, it's a form of atheism, just saying the, the, the universe or the multiverse, that is the ultimate reality. And the way we come to know things about reality is only or primarily through science. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that, that's, your, that's your metaphysics is naturalism, your epistemology is scientism. So those things are coming to us in the education system for mm. many years. And what that does, so now when you present a science book that says you evolved from sure. these primates, now you, this is presented as knowledge, and you go back to church where those same church people were indoctrinated in that same thing, and what they will, what they tended to do back then was say, well, that's, that's man's knowledge, we have belief. I just believe by faith, you'll hear oh him boy. say sometimes. So I accept the Bible um, mm. just kind of out of a blind leap. So what what they have accepted, in essence, is this kind of knowledge as opposed to faith or science as opposed to faith. Or, you know, um, they, they sometimes will protect themselves from the secular, quote-unquote, by retreating into the sacred. And the sacred is a place where we believe things, but we don't have knowledge. Yeah, we just... So, so all that oh, underpins. Really so I think one of the primary things, too, I've heard, the primary fields that friends have gone into that ended up deconstructing was psychology.
1: Okay. Why do you
0: think so? Yeah, yeah, so the part of the reason I think that happens is they're studying human persons, and and when they're studying their psychology classes, it has presuppositions about anthropology, the the nature Good. of human beings. Those presuppositions will often run along the lines of naturalism. So human beings are just physical, complicated physical objects. Um, if if psychology allows for something like a mind or soul. Typically, those those things just run on top of our physical bodies, which is why they'll be quick to prescribe, you know, physical kind of big pharma pills um, is, yeah. is is the primary or only way to fix something because we're basically physical anyway. So just, you know, pres- prescribe these things and, and not to say that those things aren't ever helpful, ever appropriate. Again, uh, J.P. Moreland's book, um, Dealing with Anx- Overcoming Anxiety, is helpful because he talks about the holistic approach to healing that will sometimes include medication. Mm-hmm. But if all you have is um, physical persons, then religion, at best, becomes just a way to help you cope. Um, so they might even recommend, like, get involved in a church, but it's toward the end of just self-care. Um, they they. They will typically, you know, talk about if you try to bring "quote unquote" religion or Christianity into the realm of knowledge, they won't allow that. Like it's just, it's they'll explain away things like experiences with God um, is just kind of psychological phenomenon or, or healings as psychosomatic stuff like that. They'll okay. they will, any claim that the supernatural is real and can be known will be probably not even explicitly dealt with, but it's just assumed to be false because the major contributors to modern psychology like Sigmund Freud and uh, Carl Jung, a lot of these guys were atheists in their presuppositions. I'm not sure about Jung, but I know for um, Freud, for instance, assumed atheism was true and then tried to explain religion on the basis of, you know, wish fulfillment and those types of things. So if you're starting with that in the background of all your theories, your theories are going to be built on that faulty foundation. And some of the theories might have some truth in them because they're still going to be tied loosely to empirical information that they're studying, but they're going to be infused with all this falsehood because it's built, you can't build something on a faulty foundation and be strong. It's still going to be weak. And so what they're going to be, what what I've seen these friends do is they start to psychologize everything. Um, and they start to see through the lens not of biblical psychology but a secular psychology with, without knowing they've made that shift mm-hmm. and what that does is it sets them up to start seeing the bible as like it's it's a it's merely a product of human you know thought or ingenuity at a time and and they might even think that man some of these you know biblical ideas about being anxious for nothing and praying through everything oh that's simplistic you know that's um, that's, or they might they might think that some of the ways, things that Paul taught, for instance, were harmful to women, mm. um, and that you know, they they will lift up this version of self care that's based on secular principles, and then start to to give that more authority than the scripture. Once you I've once you've done that, yeah. yeah, you've seen that. Once you've made that that process, it's just a matter of time, like the dominoes begin to fall, because if you lose biblical authority. It's difficult to maintain Christianity after that point. Oof. It's just a matter of chi- of walking the logic through. Okay. And so, what what when I when I encountered biology, for instance, um, and I was being taught this stuff, it was always in that context. Like you know, religious leaders think this, but here's what we know from science. There was a warm pool wow. in the early Earth. Um, you know where likely you know lightning struck and. And it, you know, somehow basically sparked a life form, and that began to propagate and, and spin off and mutations and natural selection, and you know this whole thing. And here's these bones that show it. And so, again, it's not that you can't have a debate about what is the best way to see the development of creation. What it is is that smuggled in presupposition that science gives us knowledge, while theology and church gives us helpful myths. Mm-hmm. and beliefs that just kind of help us get through life a little better. Gotcha. Now, if you get that, if, if, you, don't, if, you, don't, if you don't get that at the root, you'll forever be messed up in, in your pursuit of knowledge. Gotcha. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Because it, it contradicts the Christian yeah. worldview. The The idea of what a human person is, it's origins. Yeah. So either God created us and knows best how we um, are made whole, or come to be, be yeah. human flourishing persons, or yeah. we are just a product of our environment, we are just to do the best we can with behavior modification, or um, just take this pill and it has nothing to do with the spiritual formation right. of the person, right? We have The Bible has things to say about our minds, yeah. and our character as it relates to um, addictions and brokenness. Yeah and even family and how to how to really flourish. Yeah. families and so so, I so it has that. all those implications yeah. and you
0: think of like um even debates about you know how do you discipline your child. Yeah. So if you've already bought into the, the presupposition that psychology is going to give me real knowledge mm. while the bible just use it where it's good for self-care. Wow. Then yeah. where if the bible says to discipline a child or, or even sometimes that i don't know if they'll uh, kick us off youtube for saying <laughs> even sometimes uh, that you would spank a child yeah. right Yeah, yeah, um, Discipline um, yeah right? the rods bear the rods pull the child you know there is that um element that if if you've already adopted that presupposition then you won't even you won't even wrestle through that and, yeah. s- and say well, well is that what the bible meant you won't really care because you'll say no psychology gives me knowledge about mm. how to best b- raise my child and the bible doesn't whereas a biblical christian what they'll do what, what we'll need to do is wrestle through that, like say, okay, what is the Bible in a careful, exegetical way? What, does the Bible have anything to say about that area? And um, are there contradictions to that in the, the realm of psychology? If so, I'm, in coming to an integrated worldview, I want to put the to the test, like, why do they say that in psychology? What is that based on? Um, is that based on good empirical research? And if it is then I'm gonna have an issue of just kind of wrestling through that, is, am I sure my Bible interpretation's right? Um, and, and So basically there, there's a something called the two books theory that different creeds have held to. And basically it goes like this, God created everything there is, right? He created the universe and God also spoke the Bible into being. They would talk about there's really two books, there's the book of the scripture and there's the book of nature. Um, we do learn the, the book of nature might be thought of as general revelation. Like po- the Apostle Paul talks about that in Romans 1, right? There are things that are clearly seen and perceived about God through creation itself mm-hmm. so that men are without excuse. Um, the heavens declare the glory of God. Like there's a kind of speaking that the universe does. There's a kind of thing that we can discover um, because we're made in God's image. We believe that through science, um, through study of the various um areas that he has created, we can actually gain genuine knowledge. Mm -hmm. There are times when what we think we've discovered about that book of general revelation might conflict with our interpretation of scripture, right? And when that happens, we have to go back to both and we have to look at them. Now some people will say, well, you always, because scripture is more clear, you always kind of, you always give the edge to that and and that's that's a fair point and that's a deep discussion. But what I'm talking about here is not so much the scripture itself but the interpretation okay because that there is the science the hermeneutics mm-hmm. um, is the science of interpreting the Bible. And while the Bible we would hold the Bible to be infallible, we wouldn't say the same about our hermeneutics necessarily. We'd yeah. say, yeah, it's possible for us to misunderstand. There are some things in Scripture that are clearer than others, but I would say there are some things in general revelation that are clearer than others as well, mm-hmm. like two plus two equals four necessarily, mm-hmm. um, or that if P is taller than Q and Q is taller than R, then P is taller than mm-hmm. R. Yeah. Like that—that that syllogism to me is is clear. The fact that you're sitting right here right now, I don't yeah. learn that from Scripture. And learn it through sight, but that's a clear example to me. And there's some things in Scripture, like you might think of um, eschatology, for instance, that that are a little more complicated, right? And so some things, I think, from general revelation we might know with greater certainty than we might know from interpretation of Scripture. And you could hold that view and still hold to sola scriptura, that it's the final authority for faith and practice, and that the Bible is the greatest authority. Um, But when wrestling through the two books— you sometimes, th- that's part of what the wrestling of doubt would be. Okay. So there still is a good question, even if you, so if you, going back to my original example, breaking through the scientism, now I see that that, that theory of epistemology is false. It, it philosophically can't stand. It's false on many, many counts. One, as I already showed it, it's self-refuting. So if science is the only method of knowing anything then i can't know that that. statement to be true because that's not based in science so it's self-refuting but it also is too limiting we know that we know things outside of science and i give you a few examples that aren't known by science um two plus two equals four necessarily that's a mathematical truth um you, you know you can you can learn it as a kid based on putting two sticks with two sticks but the the truth that two plus two equals four as a metaphysically necessary truth that's um it's it's wired into us to understand we're, we're aware of that 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 is true and it's not based on scientific method or empirical reasoning um, my memory beliefs right so i have memories of what did i eat last i, I ate some uh, roast beef from cracker barrel <laughs> even if i don't have the bag in front of me right now or the receipt and i can kind of you know draw these together and come up with some scientific theory to explain those things i have this memory belief and i know on the basis of that that i had that um moral truths like it's wrong to torture a baby for fun those are those are items of knowledge um the the P Q R example, hmm. based on the understanding of the relation of taller than in the meaning of those words, I can know that without having a scientific experiment exper- uh, experiment to. Does does that make sense? I know it's like yeah. philosophical talk, and so sometimes it's weird. But these are all I'm just giving like examples of things we know to be true that are outside the uh, sphere of science.
1: So when a person if you identify a person, have an intellectual doubt, like mm-hmm. yourself, is it unwise to, in um, being a good ear, being a good friend and providing good community, I guess not unwise, but, cause you mentioned that you had experiences with God and you yeah. felt they were real experiences with God, but yet you struggled and doubted is it helpful to still direct a person to the scriptures or to direct them to the specific answer to what the source of their doubt is Did mm. you engage with God during the doubt. And that was helpful or you just had to kind of seek, um, answers to those specific struggles Yeah. or I guess that would be tailored to the person. I'm wondering,
0: that's a great can question. You, pray to, I think- you
1: can pray to a God that you doubt. God is God. He's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: well, no, I know I think yeah, go ahead. I think doing it in the context of prayer is actually key as well okay. just so okay. just how I was talking about sharing it and doing it in community, okay. finding mentors or even just people you could talk to about it. Another important part is bringing it to the Lord, Amen. so you know you have the guy who said, "I believe, but help oh, my unbelief right sure, sure. um I think you see that throughout the scripture, even doubting Thomas he's like, "Put your hands, you know he gets a bad rap, but sure. <laughs> you know he later goes to India and dies for the faith mm. and you know, He said, put your hands here and feel it, but blessed are those who don't see and believe. Now, you will see sometimes in the Scripture belief being opposed to sight, but not knowledge. Okay. Um, and so that's why in the book of John, he says, I wrote these things. You know, the whole books could be written about the miracles Jesus did, but I wrote these things so that you might believe. Mm. It was attached sure. to Jesus showing who he was through these miracles. And we now believe, you know, the class I was talking about with miracles, the testimonial witness of the apostles still works for the resurrection in history because through the through like kind of general historical inquiry they're able to discover certain facts about jesus death burial and resurrection that the most plausible interpretation of those historical facts is that he did in fact rise from the dead Mm -hmm. and what you do with that you know you have to draw those conclusions but um you know, the, the, a lot of that is based on testimonial witness, just like in the court cases and, and how people kind of discern. Detectives yeah. can tell by talking with people. So, um, yeah, you have you have you have all sorts of things in the scripture like that where Paul goes and he reasons with the Jews. Sure. So he would reason from the scriptures there. He went on Areopagus and he reasoned from creation to the Greeks there and, and a few became believers. Sure. Um, I think you have to, somebody once said that apologetics is more of a, it's an art as well as a science. So it takes a lot of wisdom in knowing how to, um, how to respond to someone. It's a case by case basis. And you really have to kind of know the person, I think. Um, does that make sense? Sure. And so in in another definition here, but Dallas Willard used to define apologetics as, um, uh, see if I can remember this, he said, the use of reason in submission to the Holy Spirit to lift the burden of doubt off the honest inquirer. Oh, that's good. And so, yeah, so you will meet some people that aren't honest inquirers. What what were we going to say, though?
1: What's that prayer he said to God if you're real? Help my soul. Yeah, if he I said, have he, you know, so you, have said the,
0: you have the sinner's, sinners prayer. prayer. And he said, but many people have been saved through the atheist prayer. Which and is. that's God, if there is a God, save my soul if I have a soul. Oh,
1: yeah, that's good. And so, that's good
0: prayer. yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. So if you're you're working with someone that's having doubts, I, I always ask a lot of questions. I try to figure that's out you do, what yeah. kind of doubt are they having, first of all? You know, are, are they an honest inquirer? Because. What, what you're going to do if you give someone a lot of books and a lot of material that's not an honest inquirer, they might even think they're honest, but they are in the volitional doubt category, mm. um, is they're just going to tangle themselves up more with a bunch mm. of more complications. So they're going to become a more complicated doubter yeah. because it does actually have a lot. This is, where, this is where I think the Reformed theologians are really helpful in understanding the depravity of man and how mm. it even affects the intellect. Because I think sometimes we think we're kind of these neutral observers and we're like, yeah, I would believe in God if he gave me the evidence. But the scriptures actually talk about the opposite of that. And in Romans one, again, he has given us the evidence like so that no one has an excuse. But what does he say we do? We suppress it in unrighteousness. So to find truth, you have to really be. You have to be a seeker of truth, and, you know, the the, the the Reformed person will say that's just, you know, God unilaterally would gift you with that desire to know the truth, and that's part of his grace. I think the Arminian side would say it's more of a dance where, yeah, God starts the process, but you have to respond. Um, you know, he is the, the initiator. But it's up to you whether or not you respond to that, and the more you respond, the more he gives you, the more he, you know. So that's yeah. kind of the, the the a rough like generalization of the camps there. But either way, I think it is true, biblically speaking if you seek God with all of your heart, Dallas would say, he will find you. Mm, so that exactly. was that weird tension to mix there. Right. If you seek him with all your heart, he will find you. Um, because, um, he says the spirit of the Lord roams the whole earth, you know, looking for those who is who would worship him or would seek yeah. after him. Um, and so the idea here is <clears throat> that, God has given us enough so that without excuse, but he's given us enough room so that it does require seeking of truth. And you do have to be the type of person who wants to know the truth and is being honest and, and is willing to um, go through the process of it it 's not like an easy quick fix because if someone 's just looking for like man, I just want a quick answer so I can go back to my life and feel better that 's not what the invitation into this is it 's actually an invitation to re- it really is wrestling like' it 's a hard wrestle like Jacob wrestled yeah. with God, and you typically do come away with a limp mm. um, because some of these issues are, are hard and and what I was starting to get into with the two books thing is some of the issues are complicated okay. And so even with evolution, I've kind of been all over the spectrum with that issue because, you know, once you get rid of the scientism, you still have to wrestle with, well, man, there are these weird bones that seemingly is like between human and apes. And there are these things that suggest like an ancient universe. What do I do with those? How do I interpret Genesis 1? Um, Is the best or only interpretation young earth? Or is it, you know... would it would it, you know, a 14 billion year old universe fit with that? You know, th- those kinds of questions don't automatically go away and are automatically solved just when you get over the scientism. That's that's sure. the major yeah. problem. You still have to wrestle to it. And, and there are great books on that stuff. It's odd because when I first got into it. I kind of ran the gamut. I, I became super attracted to Hugh Ross. So I was reading okay, all of I've Hugh Ross's that. stuff um, with Reasons to Believe, and he was an old earth creationist. So, they, you know, they had a high view of Scripture, but they thought the best way to understand the days in Genesis were long eras. Okay. And um, they still believed in special creation of human beings, but they believed that God did it over these, you know, millions of years, in essence, and that human beings he created in a relatively recent period. I, I can't remember where... Um, one of my profs put the human beings, it, it was somewhere between 40,000 years ago and 90,000. I can't remember for sure. But anyways, I became really attracted to that. Then I was kind of attracted to the Biologos crew. That was um, Francis Collins. And um, they were theistic evolutionists. So they would say that God created through the evolutionary process, that it was his upholding of those uh, characteristics that he built into the initial big bang that he mm-hmm. brought about human beings through that process, and you can understand it with by analogy of like you know, you, we believe that God creates human beings in the womb. You know, we sure. see the psalmist says, You know, I was formed, mm-hmm. you know, before, mm, yeah. yeah, and I, f- I forget exactly how it's put, but he talks about putting us together in the womb. Yeah. However, we also have a scientific description to that process that seems to run based on mechanisms that are in place. It doesn't require divine intervention, for instance, right? So the theistic evolution would, evolutionists would say it was similar to that. Like we mm-hmm. could describe God as doing it and use theological language, but he's doing it through secondary causes okay. of these um, this system he set up in the beginning with his inherent properties that could through what we call you know, mutations and natural selection could develop progressively into his image bearers without him divinely intervening. Mm -hmm. Now there are, not to get it too far off, Track, there are biblical issues with that then that arise right. like pre-human death for instance for both the old earth view as well as the theistic evolution view um, but as well like when do you draw the line between you know Adam's parents which they would have on theistic evolution and, and him with the image of God and what is that difference um, if there was and why was it a big deal then for Adam to die if his parents were already going to die you know the, all the all the hominids oh alive. so you know you, you do run into to some theological issues with that Mm -hmm. um i think it's i think it's possible to be a theistic evolutionist but i I do agree with jp moreland that it tends to erode confidence in the biblical um witness and 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 it does like yeah i i I, i've come to see it as more problematic and i and I, i i'm not as convinced of it either on a scientific point of view that it does the best job. So I think there are theological and scientific problems with it. Um, I'm actually oddly enough coming, I'm kind of coming back to a young earth perspective, giving it another chance. Like at one point I I was reading the Henry Morris stuff and other guys and I didn't find it super convincing, but there are new school young earth creationists that I think are bringing some good arguments up both biblically and scientifically and in trying to wrestle and come together to like a, An integrated Christian worldview, we 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 do want to look at both of those things, and and I'm just giving that as an example of how you do that and how you wrestle through these areas of doubt. Um, So yeah, we could. It probably would be good to do an episode just on the science of it later. But where where I've come now, um, I don't know how how long we've been in this journey together, but well, we celebrated 16 years last month, and so I want to say. Maybe five years into our marriage, I got to a healthier place. Mm-hmm. So it's at least been ten years. Me too, because yeah. you
1: know it affected me in the beginning, um, a little bit of, not full on fear, but just a little bit of worry. But yeah. after a while, because it would be a look in your eye and just a wrestling, on your face, and I'd look at you and I was like, after a while, I'd said, okay, God's working something else out in him. Yeah. God's got him, and I just begin to trust the walk, because I think it's it is, important or you brought up the point of being an honest seeker. And mm-hmm. I just trusted that you're seeking as you saw it, that, that God would find you. And yeah. that at that point I think you had more community and more um, people to call on when you yeah. had those um, deep questions that caused you to yeah. struggle a little bit. So and then I got I think I got deeper in my faith too, thinking For about those sure. things <laughs> and I was like, Wow, that's kinda cool about God. I never thought about that. But um so yeah, I think I it definitely has deepened my faith. That mm. my my and and just um, made my understanding of God a lot more fascinating than just um, m- not a mere devotion. But it just made God a lot more brilliant than I had ever ever imagined. Yeah, things certain things to think about. So it was really yeah. kind of fun. no, I, on this I, side of it,
0: right? <laughs> listen, I know but, we have other problems. We have went, other problems now. But Seth took me
1: on a couple apologetics conferences yeah. and they were fascinating
0: yeah man. And by that
1: point i think i could halfway understand some of the topics but um i just sit there and just be in awe that there was a group of people who just truly wrestled with this stuff it was quite awesome and fascinating yeah. and just hearing john lennox in person and who, who was the other guy um a european guy anyway Joe Boot, maybe. Joe Boot or something. Was. It was just, and all I remember, you brought up young Earth, old Earth. John Lennox <laughs> mentioned something about young Earth yeah. or old Earth, and the room just erupted. I was like, "What just happened? Yeah, something man. just happened." And yeah. so, it just um, showed to me how important those those yeah. questions were. So, yeah, man,
0: it fun stuff. No, it, it's fun stuff. And and so, uh, as we're wrapping this up, yeah. I got a couple things I do want to share here, just to to kind of, yeah one of the things is i do think so when christianity spread around the world literacy spread thinking spread Education. like if you lose yeah. christianity we're 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 now reaping the fruits of secularism like they're coming home to roost like through all the craziness that people see mm-hmm. and they're like man why are things getting crazy all of a sudden well the seed bed for that was put in place years ago um, so don't buy into this false idea that the smart people are the atheistic scientists. It's not really true. There are some brilliant atheists, and, and I'm not saying that. Um, but the worldview of atheism undercuts reason. Um, it undercuts purpose. It undercuts... We, we talked more about that in, in part one, so go back mm-hmm. and listen to that if you didn't get to hear it. And we probably do a whole episode on that at some point. But it, what it, if I do have any ability to think through things now and understanding that what has deepened me is my wrestling with God. Mm. Like that was the source of it. And I think that's the only real source um, because he is the one that graces us to care about truth, but it is only the Christian worldview that actually gives you the resources to believe in truth itself and that our mind can apprehend it. So don't, you know, whatever this or that argument or this or that debate or science, you know, I, I, It's really the big questions that are answered so well by Christianity. That's why C.S. Lewis could say, you know, something like the quote goes, I I believe in God, not only because like I I believe in the sun, not only because I see it, but by it, I see everything else. Um, He I love that. He understood that because it's the Christian worldview that allows you. To make sense of everything that we take to be common sense quote unquote everything we experience moral truths scientific truths political truths um the way the world is it fits within christianity now there are times we wonder like why is god so hidden the prophets wondered that you know mm-hmm. why do you allow the wicked to prosper why don't you show up you know why are you slumbering mm-hmm. there are times that evil happens and we're like man how could a good god allow for that but even there christianity i think offers the best um explanation for why evil exists. You have to have good in order to, for evil to exist, right? It has to be the privation of good. Uh, in order to have a good, you have to have a source of goodness, not just mm-hmm. physics and chemistry. Um, and in order for you to have a sense of evil, you have to have a sense of good. And we understand evil being the, the root of rebellion of both angelic wills and human wills and all that comes along with that, including what we might call natural evils. So it, it, at a philosophical level, at least, it makes sense on a Christian worldview. Even though it still causes us to to really wrestle through, especially particular instances like God, how could you let this thing happen? You could have stopped it, yeah. you know. Yeah. And there are stuff we have to wrestle, like the psalmist did, through that. But I do I do want to leave you guys with this note that. Don't fear being a good thinker. Like, let your Christianity inspire you. Mm -hmm. Um, Words are what we deal with. That's what Douglas Wilson often says. In the beginning was the word. So his people are people of words. Mm -hmm. We understand words and ideas and images and how important they can be and how they help us. You know, human beings were called to name things. God allowed us to name, you know, the creatures on the earth. And giving a name was, 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 placing its essence over understanding its essence or its nature and saying this is that Mm -hmm. and and this other thing is this and and making differentiations and through our words we actually say what is and what is not and so being a good thinker is the ability to parse those things through Mm -hmm. and so I want to encourage you that and then the second thing I want to encourage you with is understanding like the majors that was a huge help for me is like you know you even hear me talking through the science. I used to feel like, man, if I don't know exactly, you know, every part of this thing, if I don't have it nailed down by tomorrow, I'm I'm going to be panicking. Or if I don't have this eschatology worked out just right, I'm going to be panicking. Now that's not to say those things aren't important because they are. They have they have implications for life, even eschatology. But right now, I'm you know I'm reading I'm. I'm reading through post-millennial views, and I'm thinking through them, and I'm comparing it to the pre-millennial views, and I'm trying to do my best to understand it um, and and how those have implications for how we should live now, because I find that the post-millennial guys tend to be more long-term in their thinking and they tend to be more involved with culture shaping and whereas historically the premillennialists have ducked out of that cuz they're like no Jesus is coming tomorrow doesn't really matter what you do with culture although that's that's not quite fair too cuz some of the some of the biggest movers and shakers and influencers have been premillennials but just talking in generalities church-wise many of the premill people though are getting back in the game thankfully oh, cool. and they're starting to see the value of like yeah. no 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 we were called to occupy we were called to disciple the nations mm-hmm. and you know in wrestling through which one of those frameworks actually works better for that it's it's a tough issue but i'm just saying like the fact that i haven't nailed that all down right now is okay what what we do need to have nailed down is the majors you know does god exist what are what is he basically like um was jesus his son is was jesus fully god fully man is the bible authoritative i think is a huge one um and can we trust it is is our source of doctrine um and so, if we get those kinds of big things nailed down, then we then we can work on the rest and care about them and seeing the importance of them. But we don't have to live in this kind of like obsessive man. If I don't, if I don't That's get good. this nailed down, so it's 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 kind of a matter of Norm Geisler has a good thing on that too, like the spine issues or what what are the majors of Christianity that we have to agree on and we have to kind of nail down and we need to be confident in. I used to have some of our leaders. I got this from somebody else, but our leaders at our, our young adult group write down on a list like okay I believe in God where am I at on that between a 1 and 10 level of confidence yeah. I believe that you know Jesus was fully God fully human where am I at on that and if they were at for instance let's say a 6 okay what can we do to grow in our confidence in that um, and and a lot of times I think it is like to back to your other question it's as simple as we we want to start in the scripture yeah. the scripture I think is the lang- is the primary language of God that we need to be bathed in And, um, if you, if you, if you clothe yourself in that, I've met some of the deepest people, and wisest people I've ever met haven't even been that widely read, but they've been people of the Mm -hmm. scripture. And so if you really, really are putting that in you, I think it is going to build, build faith on its own. But then there are other topics that, you know, you'll say, okay, I'm struggling with this particular issue. And I, and you can email us to, um, do it through our website and I'm going to make sure that it comes to the right spot. But, you know, if you're wrestling with a particular issue, feel free to reach out and we can give you some resources. But there's so many good ones out there right now. Science and faith, um, LGBTQ issues and whatever they might be, Islam and Christianity. And, and by the way, if you're not familiar with um, Impact 360, um, I'll go ahead and put a plug in for them as we wrap it up here that um, they do great at their camp immersion, two-week camp, where they address all these kinds of issues. Can we trust the Bible? Mm-hmm. How do we know God exists? How do we know Christianity is true? Um, Islam, Christianity, LGBTQ issues, all that stuff. They so also have easy. their one-week camp, Propel. They have their gap year program, so that, that'll that be in the show notes. But it's first-rate training in those areas. And I just want to encourage you, even as parents, to, to familiarize yourself with these things you don't have to become an expert overnight um you know but but it is good to start that start that process and train this is how you disciple your kids that's the best thing we can do right now in this crazy world is d- discipleship within the family and within our churches yeah. so um anything else before we wrap it up here baby
1: no i think you touched it i think um in this day and time knowledge of god is probably mm. is the most important knowledge man could have and where I think we've been silent as the body of Christ. The the culture is shouting out loud its answers yeah. to those big questions. And so I think um, if if you're a youth pastor or, you know, just all Christians, all brothers and sisters in Christ, let's be people, like you said, who are um, not afraid to, yeah. to dive in some of these topics, talk about them, make room for them or become a person. Who is well learned or studied, and mm-hmm. it's just really full of the spirit to be able to speak the God's truth concerning some of these topics. So, good stuff, love. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for man. sharing your testimony.
0: All right. Well, uh, we will see you guys next time. Go ahead and subscribe. Give us a review if you can, and help us get more more reach out there. And uh, we'll see you next time. Hi-hi.